0: Welcome to episode 98 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is part one in a series of paranormal-related episodes. I think I'm going to be calling Paranormal and the Occult with Bob and Friends. Does that work for a title? Yeah, well, I guess why not. In this series, we're going to tackle subjects such as paranormal investigating, haunted history and haunted locations, witchcraft, tarot, and magic, UFOs, Cryptids and a series finale that will hopefully somehow involve all of those subjects in one kind of final explosion of fun. More on that as things develop. While we're at it, let's define paranormal and the occult. Now, paranormal is defined as denoting events or phenomena such as telekinesis or clairvoyance that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. The occult is defined as of or relating to magic, astrology, or any system claiming use or knowledge of secret or supernatural powers or agencies that are beyond the range of ordinary knowledge or understanding. Mysterious, a secret, disclosed or communicated only to the initiated. The actual meaning of the word occult is is from the Latin occultus, which means hidden. So essentially, occult means, very simply, knowledge of the hidden. Very interesting, right? Well, this episode, this very first episode in this series, is all about paranormal investigating. I'm starting with investigating because it seems like kind of as good a place as any to start, for one thing. The other thing is paranormal investigating is kind of the stepping-off point for most of the other subjects from the perspective in which we're going to be talking about those subjects. And one thing I would like to clarify, too, I'm not going to be talking too much about those subjects myself. Rather than me just blabbing on and on through all these episodes about investigating, about ghosts, haunted places, UFOs, etc., I decided, well, why don't I bring in a team of experts on each subject so that you get a much more informative, entertaining, and educational experience on the Bobcast. That sounds like a pretty good idea, I think. Haunted places, what do you do? You investigate them. So I would say from the perspective of where we're coming from in these episodes, starting by talking about investigating seems like it's the most logical step. The paranormal investigator we're going to be hearing from in this episode is none other than Amanda Paulson of Pretty and Spooky, She is also a regular contributor and friend of the Bobcast. She was one of the tellers of tales in the second and third of the Ghost Story series of episodes. And she was one of the contestants in the much more recent Paranormal Trivia Challenge that we had, I think, back in January, right? Yeah. All those episodes are still available for listening wherever you listen to podcasts. So you should check them out. If you get a chance, they're pretty good. Amanda rules. She approaches paranormal investigating in a very professional and I think ethical manner. If you go way back to her older blog posts about her paranormal encounters that she's had herself to her newer YouTube videos that feature her doing solo investigations and also some of her collaborative efforts with Sharice Williams, Amanda really does do paranormal investigating right if you ask me. I believe she has a healthy dose of skepticism, which is very important for any paranormal investigator. You mix that with her knowledge of the paranormal, and there you go. There are at least two things that make Amanda an investigator you are going to want to keep your eyes on because I think big things are coming for her. I would not be surprised to see her with her own show at some point on Discovery or something like that. Really, keep your eyes out for Amanda. She's definitely going places. If you watch Amanda's videos, if you follow her on her various social media platforms, she is very fun to watch, very entertaining, and it's very educational what she does and how she presents everything. Truly great. You can't ask for more. Okay, did I mention Amanda is now also a published author in a brand new book which is titled The Feminine Macabre? That is a volume of kind of journal entries from all sorts of women that are involved in the paranormal in some way, shape, or form. Guess what? Here's a huge bonus for listening to this episode. You can win your very own signed copy of that book, of The Feminine Macabre. Yes, all you have to do is comment on any one of the various social media posts related to this episode with a code word. I'm going to throw in after the interview with Amanda And before the very end of the episode, the social media posts in question will be on Instagram really nowhere else. I mean, I I do post on Twitter every once in a while and also Facebook, which I'm trying to stay away from Facebook because Facebook's bad. Make sure you're following me on Instagram. If you want to win a copy of this book, my page is at or the at symbol. I want to party with Bob all one word at I want to party with Bob there. You'll have a chance to win for sure. It's very simple. Just be the very first person to comment with the code word that's coming up. Like I said, after the interview with Amanda and before the end of the episode, I'll make it very plain what that word is going to be. Do that on any of the Instagram posts that are related to this episode. There'll probably be two or three of them, and you can win a signed copy of The Feminine macaw. And I'm even going to throw in one of my very own ghost t-shirts or Bobcast ghost t-shirts and a few stickers to boot. What a great contest. What a deal. Make sure you keep listening, and I will make it very plain when I say that code again, so there's no excuse for you not to win this contest. Good luck. Let's get this show on the road. What do you say? The music of the episode features two incredible bands, No Small Children and Tetrarch. I will say a few words about both bands before you do hear those songs. Also, we are going to hear from another very rad paranormal investigator, A witch and another friend of mine, Ivy Boyd, in another edition of Mysterious Musings with Ivy Boyd. She's got some paranormal encounters to talk about that she's had recently. Why don't we do it right now? Here's Ivy.
1: What's up, everyone? My name is Ivy Boyd. I'm a witch, a ghoul, a ghost hunter, I pretty much dabble in all things spooky, and I have been featured in previous episodes on this very podcast. In my last segment, I believe I talked about theories behind haunted dolls, so definitely check that out. But for this episode, I wanted to switch things up, and share two really neat and special paranormal experiences that I had recently in a local cemetery. A few weeks back, I decided to do what a lot of local ghouls like to do, and spend some time in the notoriously haunted Union Cemetery in Kansas City. One thing on my agenda while I was there was to find a specific grave, the grave of Anton Sauer, who built Sauer Castle here in Kansas City. For context, this castle does have legends of hauntings, which have been debunked, but I still find it interesting and spooky, and wanted to take photos of the man's grave who first built it. Union Cemetery is a very large cemetery housing thousands of graves, and after walking through for a while, I realized I forgot to grab a map from the front of the cemetery and there was no way I would be able to locate the specific grave I needed without it. I could have walked back up to the front, but frankly just didn't feel like it. And I could have tried looking it up on my phone, but I was also trying to preserve my phone's battery life. I decided to keep wandering around, aimlessly looking for this particular grave out of the thousands that are there, when I came across this beautiful, old, knotted tree. Seeing as I'm a witch and a spiritual person, I feel very connected to elements of nature and especially love old trees and the energies that I believe that they can hold. I stood there and admired the tree, took some photos of it, and I noticed what looked like a black crow feather on the ground underneath. I picked it up and wanted to take it home, so as a thank you, I left three coins at the base of the tree. For anyone that doesn't know, coins are a common offering used for spirits, and it's especially common to leave them at a cemetery gate before you enter. In fact, next time you visit a cemetery, if you look around the gates, you might even notice little piles of pennies yourself. So anyways, I took the feather, left the coins, and as I walked away, I noticed another little black feather on the ground. And another and another. Every few steps I would see one, so I kept walking along the trail, following them, and they led me directly to the base of the grave of Anton Sauer that I was wanting to find. I cannot make this up. And for a minute there, I was truly speechless because the odds of that happening just purely by chance seemed so slim for how large this cemetery is. Needless to say, I thanked the tree or the spirits or whoever it was that helped me, and I wanted to share this story as a reminder that the paranormal isn't always dark and evil and scary, which is how it is usually portrayed on TV and YouTube and TikTok, Instagram, pretty much all social media platforms. The paranormal can be fascinating and helpful and wonderful. As if having actual bird feathers lead me somehow to a specific grave that I needed wasn't just wild and mind-blowing enough, I had another incredible experience shortly after this first one. I mentioned earlier in the beginning that I was also trying to preserve my phone's battery life, and that's because I also performed a long-distance Estes Method session over FaceTime with a friend and fellow investigator, Charisse Williams. And if you've ever used FaceTime, you know that it drains your battery fast. And if you're not familiar with the Estes Method, it is where you have two people, One person listens to a spirit box with noise-canceling headphones, a spirit box being a device that scans radio stations at a fast pace for spirits to communicate with us through, and a second person will ask any possible spirits questions out loud without the person listening to the spirit box knowing what questions are being asked. This keeps our brains from using any sort of bias. For example, if I ask, what is my name? or I know that somebody asked the spirit box, what is her name? I will subconsciously listen for sounds that resemble Ivy because that's the kind of answer I'm expecting to get. So on this particular day, Charisse was asking the questions via FaceTime while I was listening to my spirit box with headphones on and the volume cranked all the way up to make sure that I could not hear a single word coming from Charisse's mouth. And during this session, we got some incredible and intelligent immediate responses from spirits using words and phrases such as, I'm here, let me out, I'm cold, stuck, and secret grave. This is compelling because there are countless unmarked and unknown graves there, with some of them having been paved and built over for roads and other buildings when the cemetery was downsized in the past. When asked about where they were located, the direction south came through. I was able to research this and look at some old maps, and confirmed that the south side of the cemetery is believed to contain unmarked graves which have been built over. Unfortunately, most records for the cemetery were destroyed in two different fires that burned down the building on the cemetery grounds where they were held so there is no hope for trying to identify any particular spirits or their names or anything to help ease how upset they still seem to be. I do plan on returning sometime and at least bringing some flowers, and I might suggest that they consider commissioning a memorial for all of the unmarked and unknown graves to honor them and maybe help them feel a little more rest. Of course, I might leave the whole Estes Method session, hearing spirit responses part, out of the emails that I send to the cemetery, considering most people think that this is all just crazy. Like I previously said, I hope that sharing these stories helps to show a different non-scary side of the paranormal that often isn't portrayed on TV and social media. The spirit world is vast, and most encounters are perfectly harmless, like the ones that I had on that day in Union Cemetery. If you ever find yourself in Kansas City, definitely go check it out, and maybe consider leaving some coins at the gates or somewhere inside as offerings and see what happens. I hope you enjoyed these short little stories about my recent cemetery adventure and taking a quick glimpse into my haunting little life. To keep up with my travels and ghostly adventures, you can follow me on Instagram at tattoosandspooks and find links to my other projects there. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to stay spooky.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ivy, for more of your mysterious musings. I do appreciate it. Look for more of Ivy's mysterious musings next month and every month after that. Plus, I want to mention something else. Ivy is going to be making another appearance on the Bobcast very soon with another type of tale. This one is of an encounter with some kind of UFO phenomenon or something like that that she had. And that is going to be in an upcoming UFO stories episode. Oh yes, very good. More good stuff coming your way here on the Bobcast, as always, as always. Another really rad thing is Ivy also is featured in that book, The Feminine Macabre. So there's another great reason to listen to that code word and comment on my Instagram post to win a copy of that book and a shirt and stickers and all kinds of stuff. Oh, my God, it's such a great deal. It really is, and it's all free if you win. So there you go coming right up is the conversation I had with Amanda about paranormal investigating and a little bit more halfway through that talk with Amanda is a really great version of the Ghostbusters theme song kind of appropriate for this episode about paranormal investigating in some ways and that song is by the band No Small Children. This version of the song Actually appears in the end credits of the 2016 remake of Ghostbusters, or sorta remake. And holy crap, No Small Children made this song so so much better than it originally was. I think it's great. No Small Children are sisters Lisa and Joni Pimentel and Nicola Berlinski. They're school teachers in Los Angeles by day, and rumor has it. Lisa and Nicola met at school and decided to start a band. Hey, why don't we start a band? So they are rock stars by night. Yes, teachers by day and rock stars at night. It's awesome. I don't want to spoil things by saying too much about No Small Children right now because there is a full episode of the Bobcast that will feature an interview with No Small Children coming up very soon. They're so great. I have to give them their own episode. They're awesome. So enough of that. Let's talk to Amanda. Here it is. Please stay tuned. You are Amanda Paulson of Pretty F and Spooky, which really now, I mean it started as a blog, more or less. Is that is that right?
2: Yeah, so I started Pretty F and Spooky in twenty nineteen as a blog I had a blog first. Um, I started it as an Instagram page of like a place that I could just park any spooky thing that i was interested in actually my first post it says inspired by the weird aisle in goodwill that has all of the like weird figurines and things <laughs> and, and you walk by and you say that's pretty freaking spooky <laughs> so oh start, that's where the name
0: on, came from then okay yeah,
3: okay
2: yeah i don't think i've ever told anyone that actually but yeah so it kind of started as an amalgamation of like i'm into spooky things here's a place for me to just like photo dump stuff that's spooky to me and then it kind of evolved into me getting back out there as a paranormal investigator and like sort of uh marketing myself for paranormal investigations because I was in a team back in 2008 so it had been a while since I was like really actively saying hey I will paranormal investigate your house or your building or whatever and so then it turned into that kind of like a spot where people could reach out to me um and now I'm I'm a I'm a media enterprise.
0: You do, Yeah, that's one question I had is, it really, it's kind of a multi-platform venture in a way. I mean, you've, you're on TikTok, Instagram. You picked the perfect time to show up on Twitter after they kicked Donald Trump off, but you've got a lot going mm-hmm. on. I mean, YouTube definitely is something else that you really came out strong with about a year ago, wasn't it? Something like that? Or less than, a little less than a year ago, maybe.
2: I think it was actually only like, Six months ago that I started YouTube uh, and I, it was actually because it was in October um, and I came out strong with like three videos in a row um, and then I took a big backseat on that just because of some creative collaborations and some um, projects that I have going right now, like filming projects that I can't say too much about yet. So I had to take a back seat on that, but now I'm uh, coming back with YouTube here soon because I have a lot of investigations coming up.
3: So. Oh,
0: great. Good. How did you first get interested in and or kind of introduced to the paranormal, paranormal subjects, that kind of thing?
2: I first had a paranormal experience when I was only seven years old, I think, seven or eight years old. Um, I lived in a haunted duplex with my mom, and I experienced some par- uh, like some paranormal phenomena there my I had a face move across my dresser on its own and my dolls move and and I would have weird nightmares and um I was just a young kid and I didn't even watch like any paranormal spooky tv shows at the time I think that that would have been the time of like are you afraid of the dark and like some shows like that like but uh I was really not predisposed to it prior to that haunted duplex I was in so I always look back at that time as like a genuinely like a genuine experience that I had because it, I don't think it was my imagination. But that basically kickstarted a life of like being like predisposed to paranormal after that. So as I you know was in my teen years, I'd have weird stuff happen all the time and I'd have sleep paralysis and and have spooky things, lights turn on and off, all of that. And then that led to me turning eighteen. In two thousand eight and uh, joining my first ghost hunting team, which I found through Facebook, I think. It might have been MySpace even at that time, wow, but yeah. maybe Facebook. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was right on the border. That was right on like kind of the split times between MySpace yep, and Facebook.
2: Exactly. It could have been either of those. But I just reached out to them and I was like, I wanna join your ghost hunting team. I had have- I I was like, I felt like I was an adult at that time being 18. And I was like, I'm ready to to do this. So I joined a team of I think we had about 13 members on our team. Um, It was pretty legit. It was a pretty good team. We uh, met every month and uh, studied a bunch of paranormal topics, we would uh, pool our money and buy all the newest equipment and stuff. And also 2008 was like, the time of ghost hunters and ghost adventures right. was like really big at that time. Yeah. So you had like a huge wave of new paranormal investigating teams. It was like the new rage and like I, everyone, at, this was in Billings, Montana I'm from Billings, Montana and uh, people were really open to like having teams come and investigate their, their houses. So I did a lot of pers- like a uh, private residences, uh, local businesses, colleges, all sorts of stuff.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. What was the name of that team? What was it called?
2: It was called Billings Paranormal Investigative Society, and for short, we called it B-Piss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. When you had the pretty effing spooky blog, I think is it taken down now? You can't you can't get to it right anymore.
2: Yeah, I took down my website just because I'm looking for a different company to have a website through. So I did briefly take it down. Yes. I had, I had a little blog. I was keeping up to date on like a little written blog on there.
0: Gotcha. Cause I remember reading something when, when I was first introduced to you through the people at discount cemetery, I started doing a little research on who you were and what you kind of, what, what kind of stories you had, that kind of thing. And in the blog, you mentioned something about a paranormal experience you had at a hotel or something when you were like 17 or maybe even 18 at a hotel somewhere in Montana, I think.
2: Yeah, actually I love that story. That was a weird time. I was 18. I think this might've actually been before I was on the ghost hunting team, but I'm pretty sure it was because I, because my team didn't go and investigate this later. So uh, my best friend's house, unfortunately burnt down and they lost all their belongings. Very, very tragic and sad. And so her family they, they didn't lose any of their family members, but everything else. And so they, they got put up in this hotel. And the reason I mentioned that their house burned down is because I think there was something to be said with the heightened emotional state that my friend was in and sure. like they were in at this time. Um, but she was staying uh, in this hotel for an extended time. And one night I was, I was like out for a while. So I got to the hotel room at like midnight to hang out with her. Cause she wanted me to hang out there she's on the phone with her boyfriend at the time. And they're just like, Ugh. they're <laughs> talking to each other saying, I love you. I love you more. You hang up first, you hang up first, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's just drawing out on for like way too long. And I'm, I'm on the other bed on my Nokia or black blackberry or whatever it was at the time. And, um, and so there's two beds that I'm closest to the window and she's closest to the bathroom in the door. And, As she's talking on the phone, I hear a tapping on the window, like a distinct, similar to uh, the tapping a radiator can make, but except for that it sounded distinctly from the window pane, not from the, and plus there was no radiator and the AC wasn't on and the heat wasn't on. So it was like a tap, 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 you know, like a very, very distinct tap. And I was like, that's weird. So then I start paying attention and then, and she's not paying attention at all. And then I hear another like tap, 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 tap you know, just really like it's trying to get our attention. And then she like looks at me with this panic look and I realize that she's recognizing what's going on now. And I didn't want to jump to any conclusions but I was like, did you hear that? And then we just hear like a tap tap and like a full on hand, like just the sound of like a hand on a window. Oh. And I'm like, oh my God, I fly across the room. She hangs up with her boyfriend immediately and we're like hiding. We're like, I don't know what to do. The windows closed, but where the blinds are closed, but we're like too afraid to open them. And um, so I end up going outside and we're on the second floor. So I go all the way out to the parking lot and I look for like trees or birds or anything that could explain what's going on. And there's absolutely nothing. There's nobody in the rooms next to us or below us, no trees nearby, no birds, nothing at all. And I think it was like fall time. So no snow or anything like that. Yeah. So we go back inside and we're like trying to ignore it and we're watching TV. And then we heard something move in the bathroom and we're like, Oh my God, like what is going on? And we didn't, It was, it's weird thinking back to things like this now being a, more of a paranormal investigator because I did not have the investigating mindset set. I just had, this right. is freaking weird. I'm over it. I don't know what's going on. So we call her brother to come over from his room because he's down the hall. And when he call, when we call him and he answers and he goes, are you guys the ones knocking on my door? And he's just like right down the hall. And we're like, no, what, who's knocking on your door? And so he comes to the room and then everything stops. It had been constant all night and the tapping stops, the bathroom noise stops, everything stops. So he's like, you guys are crazy. I can't believe you bugged me for this. Stop knocking on my door. He thinks we're knocking on his door. And so then he goes back to his room and then it starts right back up again. And the next day we asked the front desk about it. And they said that there's actually like paranormal claims on the floor that we were staying on. So it was totally backed up by like had happened to other people before. And it's fun too when you experience paranormal activity so unexpectedly and with another person who's not interested in the paranormal. I've had some really incredible experiences that like I had no way of recording it. The person I was with wasn't in the ghost. And you see them scared, so that's super fun, you know. Right. <laughs> and and uh, and it's just like you're not trying as hard, and so the, and then it happens. Like I, I love stuff like that. I live for it.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and that that was one of the things that kind of led to you being more and more interested in paranormal and ghosts and that that whole thing, right?
2: Yeah, you know. Now saying that story out loud makes me realize that that was actually a catalyst to me joining that team and to like actually trying to explore how I could look deeper into the paranormal uh, because of, of things like that, that had happened in my life naturally. I was like, I really want to understand this more and, and see what's going on.
0: Sure. Kind of get a, like a better understanding of why that happened, what it could have been that kind of thing. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, before we get into talking more about investigating, and this is kind of a big question. But what do you think ghosts are? Say a place like in that hotel, what would you say that was? I mean, I understand there are so many different types of hauntings that there can be, right? I mean, because you can have like poltergeist activity. You could have Mm -hmm. a multitude of different types of activity. But say, well, let's just use that as an example. What do you think it was in that hotel room that caused all that strange stuff to happen?
2: Yeah. So the the question, what is a ghost? Yeah, it's definitely a loaded question. Yes. There's like a lot of different answers.
0: I just kind of cracked that can of worms open. Right yeah. Here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I mean, a go- I don't think that a ghost is one thing. Even even how the definition changes from person to person, it also changes from experience to experience. And like, I don't think there's one set definition for a ghost. I think ghosts are many different things. Like and we just decide to perceive it and define it as ghosts, but it's mm. just phenomena in general that is happening for a lot of different reasons. So and that night at the hotel, I would say that maybe that could be classified as residual energy, which people explain as an imprint of energy, basically. Like we are made of, you know, energy and soul or whatever you want to believe we're made out of. Um, sure. But like, the, there's this theory that we can leave an imprint of something we used to do. So, so in, in one, on one hand, a ghost is like a left behind imprint of what we used to do because we did it so often. So maybe, maybe at one point in time in that hotel room, somebody was tapping on the window. I think mean, that's a weird, now that I think about it, that's actually kind of bizarre. That wouldn't make any sense, but let's just say like you hear footsteps. And it's from one place to the next, and it just happens at the same time every night. That's just a repeat, a playback of something that used to happen a lot. Kind
0: of like a recording times. in some ways, right? Like a, yeah. from something that had happened in the past.
2: Yeah, like the stone tape theory, which is like that it, Like activity can actually be recorded into different materials, so into wood or rock or whatever. Yeah, so you have residual energy, which is one type of ghost. And then, like you said, there's like culture, activity and different, different types of ghosts. But it, my personal opinion or definition of a ghost would be, it's, <laughs> it's hard because it changes all the time. Sure. And I feel like my, my definition has evolved over time too, because I used to think that there were just a handful of different types of ghosts. And in most of all, a ghost was, was the spirit left over of somebody who had passed away. But more and more lately, I'm thinking that maybe because we are the universe experiencing itself, you know, like everything is kind of that nothing's linear. It's just kind of, we're all, we are the all we are all of the, the energy in the universe. It doesn't make me sound like way off of.
0: No, no, no. I completely get what you're saying. I mean, we are part of <laughs> like the whole, that is the universe yes. in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah. So then I, I am inclined to believe lately that possibly ghosts are what we need, like how we need to perceive something. Like, it's just like just the universe experiencing itself and we have to put a name or a face to it. So I think sometimes, you know, maybe you you see a ghost of an old woman and like, that's just how your brain has to process it. So I, what is a ghost? I guess I don't know. I guess I don't have a definition and it changes day to day, but I'm sure. starting to believe that there is this like much larger element at play that is just creating a modicum of, of paranormal phenomena versus what I used to believe, not even just like, you know, two years ago that, a ghost is just a person that is left over, like, like the remainder yeah. of some,
0: like somebody's soul or whatever that didn't go yeah. towards the light. It,
2: yeah, and that stuff is, is hard because, like, towards the light, like you you would have to have some sort of like religious belief. I feel like, established in order to believe in the in the idea of like a trapped soul that needs to move on. It's like, well, what is it moving on to? So then, if I if I understand that I don't have that religious belief that that doesn't like fit into my Theology that I, I I, you know know what I mean like sure sure it doesn't fit your personal
0: views yeah I mean and it wouldn't really make any sense to you and by the way I'm with you I mean that's the energy thing especially is something that has really been sticking in my mind a lot lately is essentially we're made up of energy and what happens when we go away that energy is still there. It's just not as animated or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. That's a very complicated it's, it's, and I'm sorry to put yeah. you on the spot. like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know, it, it's good practice. I've been asked that before. And every time I kind of stumble around and I'm like, it's because, because I don't know what the answer is, I don't know what a ghost is. And I continue to search for that answer and I might die one day and never know, <laughs> you know? And so sure. like, I, I, paranormal investigate because of these deep, deep thoughts, you know, like I want to help my little human brain kind of understand or, or come to terms with mortality and the answers of what is after death, et cetera, et cetera, you know,
0: that's big topic. So. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. God, that's man. I know we could talk about that for like two hours easily. That's, mm-hmm. that's a huge topic. As far as paranormal investigating goes, what makes you look at a place or a location that's supposedly haunted or something like that and say to yourself, that's some place I really want to investigate? Do you kind of have scenarios or criteria as far as what makes you want to investigate a particular place?
2: Huh, that's a great question. I've never really thought about it, but I guess I really love... Locations with—I was going to say rich history, but like long history, complex history. So if I look at a location and it, like for instance, maybe a house that was just built not too, not too long ago, and it and it had somebody a murder that somebody passed away in it, or something, some kind of ghost story attached to it. That's like more modern and like less complex. Maybe wouldn't interest me as much as somewhere that seems like it has like a more complex history. Like I like almost kind of like reading through that, like getting, getting in the weeds of that and and kind of like untangling those kind of experiences. So I think that's also why I enjoy exploring abandoned buildings too, uh, which I don't necessarily always think are haunted, but I think that they hold a lot of that energy and it, it can be weird and confusing and kind of like not make a lot of sense, but I, I like that, I guess. So yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. So, I mean, it's almost like you're saying it would be better, it, more appealing to you to investigate someplace like, say, the Stanley Hotel versus the Motel 6 on the corner where somebody OD'd and died or something like that. There's a whole tapestry, like pages and pages in this book of the history of the Stanley Hotel versus someplace like yeah. your run-of-the-mill motel down around the corner or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that plays a little bit into like the adrenaline seeking aspect of ghost hunting and the fact that like, I enjoy like a lot more experiences at once. Like so, like the intensity of just, if a place seems like it's going to come through with, with a lot or intense energy or activity, I want to see it because I, I also hold a good, healthy dose of skepticism for a lot. And so if something can just come through with, like, I don't know, just, like, a mess of things, I'm, I'm into it. But, and, and I'm also not into so much, like, true crime. I, that's not really my thing. Sure. Um, so, so I'm not as much into, like I said, the more recent stuff, like, investigating spirits that have living family or friends. Like, that's not really my stick because sure. I'm not really doing this. To help the living, uh, or even to help the debt, like I'm not really doing this to with any goal of like moving a spirit on or helping the family anymore. It's more of like uh, satiating my own curiosity, and I have to like come to terms with that and, and understand that there's ego in play here. So, sure. so I avoid I avoid locations that like of, of people who really need help now. Right. And that's where I started with that group. We did like private residents stuff, but I have, I have gone away from that now.
0: Sure. And I'll remark on something too, that I really, I really loved that you posted on Instagram recently it was about the Cecil hotel.
2: I think it was Twitter. And Twitter. I posted about, yeah, cause I did post something about like that. I don't think that Uh, anyone should claim to be an empath if they're investigating the Cecil Hotel still. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's a big one. The Cecil Hotel. No, thank you. I just don't think that there is really, mm, I respect when people want to investigate the paranormal, as I said, like as an adrenaline seeking curiosity itch kind of thing. Like I am like that too, but I, I would hope, And I wish that people were more open about that and more like candid and, and also would not bring that type of ego into a scenario where there's living family and like a really touchy subject too with mental health. And yeah, it's just not the place. Like there's other places you can go to get that adrenaline rush of a super scary spot with ghosts and things, but um, it shouldn't be focusing on, you know, the gal who can, could very well potentially have had mental health issues and and still has living family
3: around.
0: So there's a lot of damage that can be done there. I mean, in in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, especially towards the family. So, well, that's great. Yeah, that's, I definitely respect that quite a bit. Now you've more or less established a spot that you are going to investigate. How do you prepare? How do you get kind of set up to go on an investigation? Like what kind of equipment do you get together for your kind of the typical Amanda Paulson excursion into the unknown? How do you, how do you get ready for that?
2: Yeah, I'm actually getting ready for something coming up soon. So I've gone through this process just recently, but I have a case. I personally, I have one case. Some people have tons of cases, but I have one uh, case that holds all my equipment in it. So I will whip it out and get everything charged up because typically like batteries are drained. Uh, You know, like, nothing, since the last investigation, nothing works at this point, and I need to charge everything up. I, on, I'm a little overboard, you know, sometimes I say I don't like tech, but I am totally, I, I like tech to an extent. Like, there's tons of, like, fun toys to play with nowadays, so, and I have a lot of them. So, I will bring the classics, like, a digital recorder and a K2 meter, which measures electromagnetic fields things like that. I also have an EDI meter, which is like a one-stop shop that le- that uh, measures humidity and temperature and vibration and EMF and all sorts of stuff. And it, and it puts it into a data logging software. So that's a really cool piece of equipment that I yeah. have. Yeah, I really love that. Um, and then some also motion detecting type of stuff, like a REM pod is something that supposedly a spirit can get near or touch and it'll go off. It'll make a loud sound and lights will go off, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then the spirit box, which I love to do uh, the S's method with.
0: So you could do the S's method. Great. Out of those things, then, what is one of your favorite pieces of equipment? I know you had definitely the spirit box. Your your eyes kind of lit up when you mentioned that, for sure. So mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. My favorite piece of equipment is the spirit box. It is. And I, but I love the spirit box only if used in the Ss method, which is sensory deprivation. So blindfold on, noise canceling headphones on, and somebody else asking the questions to remove the bias from the experiment. I absolutely love that method, and I think it taps into. It's like a communication method that taps into like latent. Uh, mediumship abilities I think Um, because in reality you're just listening on a spirit box it's just sweeping radio stations and you're listening to static essentially and if you hear some other ghost hunters explanation of spirit box they say that spirits will use the radio to have voices or words or whatever come through I've found that in the S's method there aren't really that clear voices coming through like I've recorded the actual output that I'm listening to Against the S session before, and it sure. sounds like nothing. Like if you listen back, it's like really hard to even understand how I thought it just said, "I am next to you or whatever. And it's like it's, I think that that shows that when somebody is, is under sensory deprivation and saying these answers, they're not actually hearing them. They're like hearing them in their mind, kind of like acting, in, in acting using' more, like a conduit
0: in a way of, in, mm-hmm. of sorts, right?
2: Yeah, and I really appreciate that because I don't consider myself a medium or psychic or anything. I don't think that I'm somebody who is really strong in that way. And I'm also kind of skeptical of that, too. So the fact that I've had this method work so successfully for me so many times is just killer. And it, it and it makes it so much fun. So I love it.
0: Definitely makes for a very interesting watching that kind of thing mm-hmm. in Estes' session go on. And see how much sometimes those answers line up to what's being asked. And that is mind-blowing, really.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So you've already mentioned the Estes method being something you do while you investigate. What are some other techniques that you've used that you've had good success with, do you think, in doing a paranormal investigation?
2: On paper, that sounds super boring. But (laughs) there's a lot of like question and answer type of sessions going on with every piece of equipment. So if you have any enough detector, you can say, Hey, come closer to my to my device and light it up for yes and move away for no or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I've also used a the flashlight. There's a method, it's an old school method where you take like a mag light flashlight and you untwist the top of it to the point where it it barely turns off and then you ask the spirit to like turn on the flashlight. Um, it, it apparently makes it easier for them to respond, but I've had a lot of success with that actually. And like, hmm. you know, turn it on for yes, turn it off for no, like turn it on now, turn it off now. You know, it makes you end up feeling like you have superpowers because sure, you're like telling yeah. this inanimate object to like, it, you know, work, but, uh, and then same with like a digital recorder, you'll do an EVP session to, to collect electro, uh, electronic voice phenomena and you'll just sit in a room for 45 minutes. and. And talk to the air, you know, and then listen, and then you listen back to your recorder and hope that it picked up something that your human ear couldn't hear. So lots of uh, lots of lots of kind of tricks like that, like a lot of like move closer, move far away, make this go off, make that go off, talk into this device, because you know with the with the equipment you are really trying to find like more verifiable evidence. Uh, I don't personally need the equipment for myself. Like I, I can be there and experience it and like the equipment's cool. Like, but a lot of it, you want to be able to record and show and watch later and believe in more, you know? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. Cause you could come out of it and say, did that really happen? Was that something, did that actually happen, or, did it, or was it, was I just kind of worked up and keyed up and on edge, maybe scared a little bit and maybe not imagined it, but maybe, blew it out of proportion. But well, when you have proof, then you can go back and go, Oh my God, that was real. Like, that's crazy.
2: Yeah. And it, yeah. And it does like amplify the experiences too, because you have, like I said, an inad- inanimate object functioning in a way that is not normal, that sure. is paranormal, you know? So, I mean, that's pretty incredible. And it, and when equipment works, I'm honestly surprised that it doesn't have more traditional media, coverage like I, I know not everyone's into the paranormal but I'm surprised when they, people will explain away for days why something works but I have seen firsthand a piece of equipment work on command so I rather not that's my mind and I'm working it with my mind or it's a ghost both of those things are super super compelling and should definitely be investigated further
0: absolutely sure sure yeah like you said either way whether it's this if there's something that's haunting this area or something like that, or if it's actually you and the power of your mind or however you want to say it, that's super compelling. It's It's crazy. So speaking of EVP, do you have particular goals when you are doing an investigation? Like say there's a place or a location that's known for people getting EVP phenomenon to happen or, or evidence that's voice or sound or something like that. Would you go into that area thinking, okay, I'm going to catch some of this too? Maybe would you have like any kind of expectations, kind of when you go in to a particular place?
2: Yeah, I think when you're going to more well-known places, you're definitely going to have an expectation. Like for instance, some trips that I have coming up um, are pretty famous locations, and there's there's activity that's been known to happen there. And so, yeah, I will go into that expecting, hopefully, you know, to catch a voice in some room of a child or whatever has has been heard there before. It's interesting, though, too, I'm in an area that doesn't have very many, if any, famous locations in Spokane, Washington. There's really nothing here that's like, that likes its haunted history. So I have to really dig that's kind of cool though, because then I can go into it with no expectations, sure. and whatever happens, I just have history to back it up. But also, there's a lot of room for, you know, false positives in that in that case too. But I have not personally had a lot of uh, luck with EVPs. It's only ever been like so faint. And this is kind of EVPs in general, but like it's like the ghosts are playing tricks on you. Like why would why would the other or this paranormal phenomena you know, like, why are they just barely grunting into our digital recorder or, like, whispering so slightly that you have to think you're crazy to think it's anything supernatural, you know? And I've been doing this for quite a long time, and I have only really gotten a handful of, like, compelling UVPs, which is not to say some people, some people, I think, ha- have more of a draw for that stuff and, like, more stuff happens around them. EVPs are hard, but when they happen, they're incredible. It's like, oh my God, this ghost is actually talking to me. This is happening.
0: The next question I have, do you have any advice for people who are kind of just starting out in the world of paranormal investigation? Specifically, I wanted to ask this. Would you have anything that you would tell someone not to do when they're doing a paranormal investigation? Like maybe a mistake, that something that felt like a mistake that you've done in the past so you would tell somebody, okay, when you're doing this, definitely don't do this. Cause I did it and it was not good. That kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So I know a lot of people talk about that. You shouldn't provoke or you talk to ghosts rudely or like demanding. Cause you wouldn't talk to humans like that. But I actually wouldn't even say that that's like my first piece of advice is not to do that because whatever like I said I, I have some fringe ideas on what ghosts are to begin with so so I'm not always under the assumption that it's a real person that you're talking to but I would say don't run if you can help it if there's no human danger don't be afraid of what you're trying to contact don't run away from why you are there in the first place
3: sure
2: and that's a hard like real human thing to fight because you know you get scared and you want to run you want to stop what you're doing you want to overreact but yeah i'd say fight that urge to you know freak out and run away from it because you know if you push through that if you push through that fear that's when really amazing things happen like when you can experience some stuff that will really change your life or change your outlook on on life and and the paranormal so i've had some moments where i've gotten scared and i've turned away or closed my eyes or, you know, kind of like didn't want to experience it cause it was too much. Um, and there are some instances where I regret doing that. So I'd say, don't be afraid of what you look for. I've never been hurt by a ghost to this day. So as long as there's no human or animal danger happening, then just stick through it and you'll see some cool stuff.
0: And fight the fear. Oh, that's great advice. That's actually truly great advice. How many investigations do you think you've done, by the way?
2: I think it's at a point now where I probably don't know, but it's also not like an insane amount. I'd say over 50, but that's probably counting small ones, too. I took a large break paranormal investigating in my life to become a grown up and like, like work a real job and like fit and be a cog in the machine, you know? So sure. I took a big break there, but I'd say like definitely at least 50 investigation.
0: Wow. That's over great. my time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, what is next for you, Amanda Paulson? What do you have coming up investigation wise or anything wise? Really? I mean, you are now a published author. You have a segment in a great new book called the feminine macabre. We were talking a little bit about some investigations you might have coming up as well.
2: Yeah, I was really excited to be published in the Feminine Macabre. That's super cool. I also have an investigation coming up here in just a few days at Waverly Hills Sanatorium in um, Kentucky. And then shortly after that, I have an investigation at the Conjuring House in Massachusetts, which is the house from the original Conjuring case. And then I'm also staying at the Lizzie Borden house that same week. And then I am also staying at the Hawthorne Hotel, which is a haunted hotel in Salem, Massachusetts. So I have a lot of investigations coming up. So there's gonna be a big revival for me on YouTube, which I'm at pretty eff and spooky on YouTube. I'm gonna do some stuff on TikTok. If anyone's hip on TikTok, pretty eff and spooky there too. So Lots and lots of content to come. Uh, Waverly Hills, in particular, I'm looking to get really scared. As you can tell, I have a pretty like calm and collected demeanor, but I yes. really want I want that to get shaken up, and I want to live by my own words and not run from it, and really see what it has to offer. See if see if it lives up to the hype. So it should be fun to watch.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, don't be afraid. Yeah, you're good. You're brave. <laughs> so that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. th- Amanda, thank you so much for talking to me. It was absolutely great to talk to you again. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Amanda Paulson, thank you so much, Amanda, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk to me. I appreciate it. Amanda really has an incredible history with the paranormal, I think. Plus, she is a veritable fountain of knowledge when it comes to paranormal investigating. I really appreciate all the insights and everything that she shared with us on this episode. It's awesome. Amanda's a very amazing person. She is an amazing member of the paranormal community. I'm always super happy to have Amanda on the podcast as a guest. Now, here is that code word for the contest to win your very own signed copy of The Feminine Macabre and that t-shirt. That code is, are you ready? The code is paranormal. Yes, that's it just very simply paranormal comment on any Instagram post regarding this episode episode 98 the I want to party with Bob Bobcast tell me paranormal if you're the first one to comment with that you'll win a copy of the feminine macabre which will be signed by the curator of that collection of kind of stories and journal entry type of things Amanda Woomer is her name plus you'll win a Bobcast ghost t-shirt and some Bobcast stickers. Good luck. I hope you win. While you're on Instagram commenting, trying to win this book and shirt combo thing, why not follow Amanda Paulson? Her page is at pretty and spooky. It's just P-R-E-T-T-Y-F-N-S-P-O-O-K-Y at pretty and spooky. She's also on Twitter and TikTok that I know of. Why not follow Amanda Woomer? the curator of the feminine macabre while you're on Instagram as well. And I believe Twitter, it's the same address at spook eats that's S P O O K E A T S. So do that while you're on Instagram. Anyways, you'll get some truly rad content from both Amanda Paulson and Amanda Woomer super rad. So I do want to say that is going to do it for this episode. Thanks again so much to Amanda Paulson, Ivy for the mysterious musings with Ivy Boyd, part of the episode and Amanda Woomer for the signed copy of the book. I appreciate you all for the ways in which you contributed to the awesomeness of this episode. Thank you. Thanks to no small children for the ghostbuster song and look for a full episode with them soon. As I said earlier, yeah, they're an incredible band. There will be links on this page's part of the Bobcast webpage. So check them out. Thanks so much to Napalm Records for letting me use that Tetrarch song. That's going to be coming up in just a tiny bit. I really appreciate it, Natalie of Napalm Records. And as always, thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Bob for exclusive content and more. Well, here's Tetrarch with the song, I'm not right. That song is off of their forthcoming Napalm Records release, Unstable, which will be out on April 30th of 2021. In the meantime, you can go to www.napalmrecords.com to pre-order that Tetrarch record today. Yes, go ahead and do it. It's a rad record. I have heard some of the songs on it. It is pretty freaking awesome. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast.